Is it on? Okay. Yay. <laughs> um, I want to welcome everybody to Wisdom Seekers Sunday School. And um, this is, I'm Nancy Duchon at the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And uh, I've titled the lesson today, The Land Sabbath. Sabbath. And the way this lesson came was similar to the way Stacy's lesson came last week. Um, one of my attorneys gave me a year, uh, it's called the One Year Bible. And so I've been reading it every day according to the day. And um, when I got to this passage in Exodus, um, most of you probably know that in the One Year Bible, it begins with Genesis and Matthew. And so you read a portion of the Old Testament, a portion of the New Testament, and then a portion of the Psalms and then Proverbs. So it's, it's been really good just to get, you know, something, draw from um, all those aspects of the Bible. But um, while I was reading, um, and I, as I went through Exodus, uh, I, I saw this passages, passage in Exodus 23, and um, part of it, I couldn't get away from, and probably the reason being, because you know, I, our our seminar coming up is uh, God's rest or His rest, and um, and we know that the Sabbath <clears throat> has to do with rest, the rest, and so I I think that's probably why I couldn't get away from from that from this passage, and so. Um, this is what we're going to read about today and talk about today. But um, I noticed a funny thing this week about the one-year Bible. This is a leap year. So when I got to February 29th, there was no passage to read. I thought, what am I going to do? <laughs> no, I didn't think that because I, I had plenty to, to read. But uh, it was just kind of funny to me because I, I sat down, I opened it up, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Read what? <laughs> uh, I did. Yes, I did not leap over that day without reading the word. Just FYI. So, um, but in Exodus twenty-three, God gives instructions for a Sabbath for the land, and um, and we know that that. Sabbath year is the year following six years of sowing and gathering. And um, so in the first six years, there's, there's sowing and gathering um, of the fruits and the, the, um, and the harvest. And so we're going to read um, beginning in Exodus 23, starting with our verses 10 and 11. And I've titled this section, Coming Out of Egypt. And um, <clears throat> so let's read. Um, and six years thou shalt sow thy land, and shalt gather in the fruits thereof. But the seventh year thou shalt let it rest, and lie still, that the poor of thy people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the field shall eat. In like manner, thou shalt deal with the, the vineyard, thy vineyard and with thy olive yard. 
So traditionally, it's been said that the reason for letting the land rest is so that minerals and nutrients could um, be replenished in the seventh year. And I, I read something that resting winter farmland is part of a crop rotation and uh, or part of crop rotation techniques and a cover crop is often used to replenish the nutrients in the soil, helping to restore the soil's natural uh, nutrient balance. <coughs> but as we can see in verse 11, um, the seventh year thou shalt let it rest and lie still, that the poor of thy people may eat, and what they leave the beasts of the, of the field shall eat. And so I looked to see what um, let it rest meant in this passage. And um, it is the Hebrew word, samat or shamat. And it means to release, to let drop, to throw or fling down, to let alone, to desist or discontinue, and to remit. And um, <clears throat> so let it rest in this passage to me is um, speaks of discontinuing what um, what they were doing before in with the land um, i.e. planting or sowing and um, and then gathering in of the harvest um, and then lie still is the Hebrew word natosh and it means to leave to forsake to cast off, to cast away, to reject, to pound or smite as if beating out and thus expanding, and to disperse. <coughs> so for the first six years of sowing and reaping, the people were gathering the harvest, and, and they were gathering it to themselves, whether it was to feed their families or whether it was to uh, make a living off of by selling and trading, because back in that day, that, that was one of the occupations. <clears throat> but in the seventh, seventh year, they were to discontinue sowing and reaping so that the poor among the people could eat, because the poor likely didn't have, um, likely didn't own any land, and were unable to provide very well for their families. And so the people were instructed by God to let the land rest and be still or lie still. And they were, they were actually to forsake the land. And um, I think I read somewhere that where they um, actually moved out of that land. Um, maybe, I, maybe I misread something. but um, So they, they were to totally forsake the land. And then verse 11 continues to say that even the beasts of the field would eat. And um, in the seventh year, the earth brought forth of itself by God's divine hand. And there was an abundance of food during that seventh year and beyond. <coughs> um, you know, we remember that the earth was cursed and it had to be worked in order to produce but when God instructed the people to cease working the land themselves, he caused it to produce. And 
we can see that in what the Lord is doing uh, today among the saints. Um, we can see that he is causing a harvest. He has brought a harvest, a great harvest, and um, he has been producing in the field. Um, so when he, he calls us, when he gives us that time, um, when he gives us an instruction to, to discontinue something, it's because he's going to pick up and, and he's going to do. And so he provided, and there was more than an abundance that we'll see later in, uh, when we get to Leviticus, that um, the Lord provided for the next three years because they would quit working the land for the, for the Sabbath year. But then they still had to, in the next year, um, it would be time to plant and to sow again. But then they would have to wait another time for the harvest and the gathering in of the fruits and the, and the foods of the field. And so God provided like for next three, the next three years so that they would still have an abundance to eat during, during the, after, at the end of the Sabbath year. Um, so the, the obedience of the people to cease their working of the land was partnership with God in his intended purpose for the land and for the people. And in that, he would be their provider and they would be dependent upon him for their provision. And that is so like us. Um, you know, the Lord... Um, there, there, there's a lot of things we cease doing as, as a, a, a church uh, 30 some, about 30 years ago, but the Lord has provided. He has been our provision, and um, he is our provision when it comes uh, to harvesting what he's given us to harvest. Um, he makes the way possible for everything that is needed during, during this time. <clears throat> so God was not only their provision uh, with food, um, but because they ceased from their occupation, um, they had time to set their focus on God and uh, to receive spiritual food, which, um, you know, when we cease doing something, and, and, may, and especially like in a fast, you know, we cease eating or we cease this activity or that activity so that we can turn that time and that focus towards the Lord and, and, and invest ourselves in Him and what He wants to do, give Him that opportunity to do within us what He desires to do. And um, it's all so that we can be in, that, in partnership with Him. Um, Matthew um, 4, 4 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So it's not what we just take internally for sustenance. Um, that we need, but we live by every word that God out of that, that God speaks to us. <clears throat> 
And so because of the land Sabbath, um, I guess I already said this, uh, but the people could turn their focus and their energies into receiving spiritual food and investing themselves in God. And like I said just a minute ago, um, I liken this to almost 30 years ago now when we ceased um, doing the things, the traditional things, and the traditional ways of, of church, um, you know, all the programs and all everything. Um, we ceased and we turned our focus on the Lord and on the Father. And it was so that God could work in us and through us his intended purpose because he had a high calling for this house and for those who have come alongside us in the network. <coughs> and um, So God uses the Sabbath. Um, in Exodus, it was to feed the poor, but also so that <coughs> they could take that time to focus on God. And um, Math, or Mark 2.27 says, And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And we need, we need that Sabbath. <coughs> we need that time. <coughs> Excuse me. Haven't talked enough this morning to get the frog out. <coughs> but we need that. It was pretty peaceful. Kermit, come out. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I like Kermit. Hey, yes, sir. Um, I was sitting here thinking that you know this is this is a hard this is hard for people to do. I mean, it's hard for us to do. It's hard for society to do, especially our society. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to podcasts this week and. I don't know if any of you, when you were growing up, um, the, the guy I was listening to, he said, you know, when you were growing up, have any of you heard your parents say, don't just sit there, do mm -hmm. something, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And of course, it was an investing podcast, and this is a guy that I really respect, he's been around for decades, and he said, you know, successfully investing your money means that oftentimes you need to, instead of saying, don't just sit there and do something. He said, don't just do something, sit there. And I thought about that, and you know, that's, that's a, that is a, a very true principle mm -hmm. in investing, is you, know, you make a good decision, you sow your seed, and then you do nothing. And you may do nothing for decades, okay? But doing nothing is the absolute hardest thing for people to do. I see it all the time. You know, we, we just, our society has caused us to feel like we can't just sit there. We have to do something. Mm -hmm. And you think about the church and you think about um, the ministry. You know, the ministry must go forth. We've got to go out and preach the gospel. We've got to make converts of all the nations, you know, bring disciples and blah, 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 blah. And the Lord has caused us to do these things. I mean, that was the Great Commission, right? Right. But he also, you know, you think about what the Lord really wants. I mean, I think about mm -hmm. Olivia and Noah, Luca, just kids, you know, that, that we have around us. What we really want 
is to sit at the table and commune with us. Yes. And that's what the Lord wants for us. Mm -hmm. He wants that time for us to sit at the table and commune and to be quiet and to just have conversation. And like you said here where it says to release, you know, to, 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 to let alone, um, to just sit there and be quiet and have that communion. And it's so counterintuitive to our culture these days. It really, it really is. And, um, you know, like so many <coughs> spiritual principles, there is a reason. You know, God has a reason. And we are at a at constant battle with ourselves and our, our society and, and, and our ingrained tendencies um, that we really have to make it happen. You mm -hmm. know, to have a Sabbath where you really don't work, you know, um, it's hard. It is hard. It takes, it takes effort on our part. And, you know, there's so much noise around us at times and, you know, pulling us this way and that way and the other way and you just have to just tune it all out and and make that time and um, I like the analogy of the investment because you know when you're investing your money you want to see it growing you want to see it doing something and so you get anxious anxious and think well should I move it here or there and uh, but if you just let it sit think about the scripture that said unless the seed falleth into the ground and dies. Yeah. It is not going to come forth. But in that time of, of, of rest, it's still productive. Well, True. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it is still, you think about Paul in prison. What, what was he doing in prison? What do you do in prison? Yeah. You sit, right? But I mean, how many epistles did he write from prison? And how, even John on the Isle of Patmos, what was he doing there? He was a prisoner, right? Mm-hmm. And he wrote the book of Revelation. So, and I can speak into that because I've had a lot of time in the last couple of years where I've had to be still, you know, the stillness. But honestly, it's been some of the most productive times for me spiritually in that place of commune. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I think that you're right. I think that, you know, during that still time that we're before the Lord, that's when... He's most productive in us, <coughs> or you know, we 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 gain more from him when we allow that. And have y'all enjoyed the our so-called evening fast, mm -hmm. supping with the Lord? This has been one of my favorite. Mark. Oh well, yeah, I, I would say. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't want to compare. I mean. But, but we tend to do that, yeah. I think it's been one of the most productive times that I can remember um, in a long time. But um, I, I was thinking about, I mean, what Les was saying to Monica, um, I don't think I've ever considered some of the things you brought forth about this passage, but verse 12 here, did you did you see that? It's, it's, a, it's talking about six days of work, and then the seventh day is going to be the day of the Nuach. And then he sums it all up and said it's all for being refreshed, uh, to be able to breathe in. Um, and we all know that language. But I think that, that that's really 
really incredible. So resting, we know, is not just it's not doing nothing. Humanistically, we start to uh, that's where we get ourselves in grave danger. Danger is start trying to interpret these words because I remember growing up, I couldn't do anything on the day of rest, but yet we could get out of, out of our beds and um, be like oxen and walk from point A to point B, which is a form of work. So that's sure it's idiocy. These ideas that are ingrained in us, and I'm like, I couldn't even go. You know, I loved hunting, and a lot of times on the weekends is when I could hunt. Oh my God, you can't go set the deer stand on Sunday. You're doing work, right? Really, seriously, I just. But but that is so, not with the way God views rest. Um, so I think this. And Pastor can speak into this too, but I know it feels like this this point where we're all gathering together with the the, the rest is going to be a launching point into the continuation throughout the whole year of His rest, and just from here on out, and we're going to be able to view it in a divine perspective that we have not really ever considered but I, mm -hmm. I, I, I I love this refreshing because man that's been a major part of of, of the rest it is a major part of his rest mm -hmm. is what I'm saying I'm glad you brought that up because I, I didn't go to that verse um, mainly because I was focused on the the land and it's it's Sabbath so and I appreciate two, you bringing that yeah, up too you think about this the entire God and all everything in his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. They don't rest. They are always working. So why would he say, uh, stop working for one day when they're still working? It makes no sense. It just shows you the, um, the humanistic thought that gets injected into mm -hmm. these, these terms. And he's trying to use words to help us understand them. He already knows what they mean. It's who he is. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know. This time frame is doing a lot of stuff in me and it's his spirit is guiding us into incredible uh, uncovering a lot of truth that just it's going to it's going to be an earthquake when, when it's released. It's going to the megas earthquake is coming um, from from him and I'm I'm just really encouraged by all of this. So Thank thanks you for sharing, Nick. That's great. So Thank this you. verse Thank 11 is, um, it, it's, it's about the land, obviously, and, and laying at rest. But it's also about charity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, if you think about it, whoever owns the field, mm -hmm. they, they plow and plant and harvest that for profit. So they had to make the decision to give that profit up that year. But it was a double hit because not only did they give the profit up for that year, what was there and produced was given mm -hmm. at no charge given away to the poor and then later to the, the beast could have what was left. And there's a principle there. Mm -hmm. And we're getting farther and farther away from it. Uh, as a society, the more generations that go by and the less people that are farming. And we don't know what to liken that charity to. 
we don't know what to do and if we're not planting. You know, I used to try to tell my folks that we had to let the land rest when it was time for me to go mow the yard. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't work. I'm sure. So a lot of us can misread, you know, what, or make it read however we want it to. But, but uh, if we're not, if we're not people of the land, what is our appropriate response to this verse? What is our appropriate response not only to the rest but to the poor mm -hmm. and what do we liken that to in our own lives mm -hmm. and with all of the different careers uh, that we have there's a link there that a lot of us are missing and uh, anyway that's what strikes me out of verse 11 as well as well as everything else that's yeah. been said and that's a good point too. I, you know, that I thought about that, um, but yeah. Not to over spiritualize everything, but why not? <laughs> <laughs> it's Sunday. But you know, I think about the passage that speaks about creation crying out for the manifestation of the sons of God, and I think that's a big part of it. I mean, is could it not be the poor of the people, the charity, the agape, mm -hmm. sowing into those that are poor in spirit? through our partnership with creation and intercession mm -hmm. to actually feel, you know, to, to feed them. And, and I know we have a responsibility to the poor, so I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying, I think there's a deeper meaning mm -hmm. to that as far as God's creation. Right. Right? Yeah, I was sensing that too. And um, I'm glad you made that point because I, I referenced the scripture a little further down, but... Um, but oh, yeah. I'm so sorry, Nancy. I, do I even have it on there? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm glad you made that point because because um, I've been thinking about that as well. Um, <coughs> let's see. Um, the verse in Leviticus that talks about um, the Lord providing for longer than the, the, just the Sabbath year um, is Leviticus 25:21 that says, uh, God told them that He would command His blessing on them in the sixth year so that the land would produce a crop sufficient for them in the seventh year and, and for um, there's one part passage that says for the next three years, but um, when we're obedient to the Father to do all of the things that He has asked us to do, then He's going to be He's going to provide for us. He's going to bless us in that way. And then <clears throat> I titled this next section "Into the Promised Land" or "Into Canaan," and it comes from Leviticus 25. Um, but leading up to God's instructions for going into the land of Canaan, in Leviticus 18, 19, and 20, God gives statutes on more, uh, immorality, um, idolatry, and human sacrifice. But then beginning in verse 22 of chapter 20, he tells 
Moses, uh, Ye shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and do them, that the land whither I bring you to dwell therein spew you not out, and ye shall not walk in the manner of in the manners of the nation which I cast out before you, for they committed all these things <coughs> talking about the idolatry and the immorality and the human sacrificing. Um, they committed all these things, and therefore I abhorred them. But I have said unto you, Ye shall inherit the land, and I will give it unto you to, to, possess, to possess it, a land that floweth with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which have separated you from other people. And, uh, of course, we all know that the Lord has done that with us. He has separated us. Um, from the general way of, of, of church. Um, and that word spew in verse 22 actually means to vomit. Um, <clears throat> I hate to say that on a Sunday morning, but uh, that's what it means. It means to vomit. And God was serious about his statutes and... Uh, He told the people to keep them so that even the land wouldn't spew them out. And um, so what he says, you know, he means. And um, we are to be obedient to him. And um, we're going to look a little farther down about how, about more about the land. And um, I'll just wait till we get there. But, um, but then here's the, the verse that Monica brought up. Um, and I thought of that because, you know, if the land, if the people didn't follow God's statutes, the land would spew them out. Because, and then I thought of this verse, because creation groans for the manifestation of the sons of God. And uh, it's vital that we walk in partnership with God for the sake of, of the whole earth. Um, Jesus went to the cross for the entire earth. And so um, I want to read beginning in Leviticus 25, verse, starting with verse 1, going through 7. And the Lord spake unto Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye come into the land, and I put national territory in parentheses because we're going to look at some definitions, when you come into the land which I give you, uh, then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. It's the land is keeping the Sabbath. Um, six years thou shalt sow thy field, and six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, and gather in the fruits thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. <clears throat> thou shalt neither sow thy field, nor prune thy vineyard. That which groweth of its own accord of, of thy harvest, thou shalt not reap, neither gather the grapes of, of thy vine undressed. For it is a year of rest unto the land, and the Sabbath of the land shall be meat for you, for thee, and for all, and for thy servant, and for thy maid, and for thy hired servant, and for thy stranger <clears throat> that sojourneth with thee, and for thy cattle, and for the beasts that are in the land, 
shall all the increase thereof be meat. <clears throat> so Sabbath, <coughs> excuse me. So Sabbath of rest is two Hebrew words, um, and I, I forgot to click on the the uh, the word to get the pronunci pronunciation, but um, it's two Hebrew words. The first being uh, Shabbat or Shabbat or Shabbat or Shabbat. It's close to Shabbat, but um, <coughs> and it means to cease or to cause to cease. It means to put an end to, uh, to keep and observe. And then Shabbaton, um, or Shabbaton, if the H is silent, is the observance of the Sabbath. So the land was to keep a Sabbath unto the Lord, which we know this, the, the word for Lord in, in this passage is uh, Yahweh or Jehovah, meaning the eternal plan of God. Um, so the Sabbath was to keep, or the land was to keep a Sabbath, Sabbath unto the eternal plan of God. Yeah, Nancy. Um, Nancy. That, yes, sir. Now, that, that's a really interesting point because you would think, just in our rationale, that if you're going to just hunker down and do nothing, that it would be a Sabbath unto Elohim, where you're just warm and cozy with him. But this is something that is offered for the benefit of the plan of God on earth, in earth. And and I think I think that it's it's kind of goes to that seventh day of sonship where you are reflecting, you're listening. You're making, you're making yourself attentive to whatever God might be putting before you to mm -hmm. do in the new. So it's, and, and really you're, it's for the poor because you're recognizing that you have nothing, that you are nothing in the big scheme and everything you require is from him and only from him. You have nothing apart from him. So I, I think that's very interesting because I think it goes back to just that idea of what do you do when you're um, when you're reflecting in this obedience point, and, and I think that's part partly the the unique thing with what God's asked us to do during this season leading up to seminar, mm -hmm. because this dealing with Jesus. Mm -hmm. The Lord of hosts, the Lord Sebaoth, the one who is at the head of the army, the breaker, um, he's, he's not coming to hug you and tell you how sweet you are. He's sitting there saying, okay, this is where we're going to serve the Father. This is what we're doing. I have some things to talk to you about, things that aren't going to cut it in this next round. And it's, it's more, yes, it's love. Yes, it's God. But it's more of a planning and a looking forward than it is just reflecting and feeling goosebumps. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's very important for us to recognize. Now, I think we're coming into a season where the land itself, Scripture bears this up. You read about a lot of verses you usually skip over, not that you would, in the Bible verse a day uh, plan. But 
the creation is going to be partnering with us in mm -hmm. really unusual ways. And God's been letting that happen over the years, you know, changing continental atmospheric patterns, change, bringing rain in the midst of months-long drought in various places around the world. We've experienced that and other things. But this, to the Lord and to the land, man, that's, that's something very different than even our initial observance would say. You know, if I'm just going to be here, well, this is a time for me just to wait on the Lord, love him. Well, yes, we're loving him. There are times when you do that. And, I, and you know, I had more of those times with the Father where I'm just consumed. But whenever Jesus shows up, he's there for action. Mm -hmm. And that's that's just that's just very interesting, and that's where we are right now mm -hmm. as a body. Mm -hmm. And this Sabbath unto Yahweh, as you just said, means a lot. It, it means it means a lot, and I, I need it. No, then I appreciate that because that was the connection that I was trying to to make. Is that we can see, you know, just from the from Exodus where the Lord used <clears throat> the land that he used that year to feed the poor. The land was partnering in a way because um, it was a partnership that the land, you know, in its rest or lying still or whatever, um, it was so that the Lord could could use the land for what he intended. And, it, and in that passage, it was to feed the poor. Um, but, but thank you, because that, that's the connection I've, I wanted to make. Um, and I'll tell in a minute about, um, I, I have really enjoyed, I, I'm, I'm just kind of on the verge of tears all day, but um, I've really enjoyed this, this time of evening, just taking the time to invite Jesus to come and sup with me. And... Uh, it was kind of funny because Friday evening, uh, well, I'll just, I'll tell that in a minute. <laughs> I'll get there. But thank you, Pastor. Um, so, uh, keep and Sabbath are the same Hebrew word. Um, and, uh, and, and, and meaning to observe a Sabbath and to cease from doing something. And land in this passage um, is the word eretz, and it refers to the earth, um, which would include nations. Um, when we think of the earth, we think of all the nations. And um, there are a number of Hebrew, other Hebrew words that refer to land for different usages. And um, such as this first one, Eretz. I listed a few. I didn't, there are over a thousand words. Land is used over a thousand times in the word, so I didn't look at everything. But um, Eretz refers to the earth, and that's the, the word in our passage for land. Um, uh, another word for land in the Hebrew is Adama or Adama which refers to red arable soil, which is used for growing fields or food. Uh, 
Chelqua refers to a portion such as a field used for growing crops. Um, Sade or Sade refers to a field for growing produce. Carmel refers to a fruitful field. <clears throat> Yabasha refers to dry land or dry ground. Afar refers to dust as when God formed Adam from the dust of the earth. Uh, and Cherubah refers to the land mass or the dry land. And so while these may appear in the Bible as word for land in our English translations, um, they each have their own distinct meaning, and some apply in an agricultural context, and some do not. Uh, the word land used in <clears throat> Exodus 23 and here in Leviticus is the word eretz, and it refers to the earth as a whole or uh, to the territory of a specific nation. And today, the, the modern... Um, the modern nation of Israel is referred to as Land of Israel or Eretz Israel. And I've heard that before, but I didn't really know what it meant. But uh, <clears throat> that's what they're saying. And a portion of the Eretz consists of fields, vineyards, and olive yards. So the people were to cease from working their fields and vineyards. And verse 5 says that the fields and the vineyards would grow of their own accord and they were, still, they were still producing, not resting. Um, but the people were not to reap or gather. Then verse 6 says, in, uh, says that the Sabbath of the land would be meat for the people. And I liken that to, to the spiritual meat that we receive when we um, honor the Sabbath. Um, we're, we're investing ourselves in, in the day so that we can receive that spiritual meat. Um, the, the word meat, uh, I didn't give the word, but it means to devour or to consume. And we should be using uh, our Sabbath to devour and to consume uh, God's spiritual meat. And, and it's for the, pur for the purpose of His eternal plan. Rather than focusing on, you know, fleshly things, wants or desires, or, <clears throat> or what God can do for us, um, it's all about what we can do for him. And, you know, how often have we quoted, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to us. So if we seek him, he's going to provide. He's going to see that we have everything that we need to, um, to function in the world. And... Um, And then I titled this next section, The Promised Land. And this was when Joshua was leading the people across the Jordan into the Promised Land. Hebrews 4, verses 9 through 11. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that is eternal into his, he that is entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, Lest any, man fall, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So if we're laboring, then we're not resting. And the word here says to labor to enter that rest. 
And um, Sabatimos is the Greek equivalent to Shabbatown or Shabbaton, meaning the observance of the period of ceasing from specific activities. And remaineth here <coughs> means to leave behind. And, <coughs> excuse me, I forgot this frog. In this passage in Hebrews, Paul is speaking of when Joshua led the people across the Jordan into the Promised Land, and, and he says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. The people left behind the observance of a period of ceasing from specific activities. They left behind the observance of the land Sabbath, um, which was a period of time to redirect, to redirect their focus on God, they left that behind. And um, <clears throat> the verse 11 says, Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And we know that we can't enter into that land uh, in unbelief. Nancy, that sounds totally just absurd. Labor? So you can rest. Again, that's God's ways of thinking are totally different than the way we think. <laughs> they it completely just, are. Yeah, they, they are. And, 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 and until you experience this, you don't know what it means. Mm -hmm. It's only up here. It's just a thought. Mm -hmm. But he's, that's, that's the beauty of what we're doing is he's allowing all of us to actively participate in these things with him and that's why it's gonna ha that's why it's having such a profound impact when we speak as his representatives with Kratos power and dunamis and everything that he is it happens mm -hmm. because it's just who he is in us I I'm sorry I'm, I'm just really <laughs> excited about what you're sharing so that's cool thank you Mark mm -hmm. good that's a good point <clears throat> Um, but because we've been discussing the land, or in, in this particular passage, the earth, I wanted to revisit for just a moment um, the histemi. And um, I've titled this next section, Stake of Ownership. So we know that the land is important to God, or the arets is important to God. And here in our country, we sing, God bless America, land that I love. and. Um, when we took our journey into Africa back in 2003, Rick and I had gone a week ahead because he had never been to London and he wanted to, to go and look around there. So we went a week ahead and stayed that week. And then we went, when we went on to Africa, we were there for two. So we were on foreign soil for three weeks. And when we landed back in Dallas, I literally wanted to kiss the ground. <laughs> I kissed the sun too, but I hold the ground. <laughs> I did. Um, at least back then, you know, um, we, you know, we've been known as our country has been blessed by God, and we used to be a nation that other nations even look to, um, but much to our chagrin, um, our nation has drastically declined 
and sadly declined. And there are days that, that I just weep for our nation. And uh, as I'm sure you all do, um, you know, the Lord has called us to go to the nations. And in, in the very beginning, I used to say, God, what about our nation? Um, but the Lord is, God is good. He's going to take care of our nation, too. Um, God blesses his, the people, obviously, who follow him. <coughs> but he, he has a very unique way of also blessing the people who follow the principles. We, yeah. And we're all an imperfect people. Mm -hmm. And th th these verses make, make me think of when... There was a time when Tammy and I spent about seven years up in the Northeast, New Jersey and Connecticut, and so on. Foreign, foreign territory. From that area, <laughs> so he knows uh, what I'm going to be talking about here. But we really enjoyed going to the Pennsylvania part and looking at the Amish areas mm -hmm. and Lancaster and some of the other places. And as we would drive through, uh, we would see fields that were just beautiful with crop. And then all of a sudden, there were fields that were maybe a third more robust than the others. And the others were great, but these were more robust. And we quickly could see that there was a difference between how the Amish built their barns and their silos than how the rest of the population built their barns and silos. And when we would see, uh, and the Amish, I should say first, that they really lived by these, these verses that you've mm -hmm. been reading, letting the land rest and so on. Um, and we would see the difference in the crops and the more robust nature and the corn was taller and greener and Every, you could just tell it was more robust crop. Sure enough, there would be the telltale barn and silo of the Amish that followed, or we would, whichever one we see first, we would see both, you know, the fields and then the, and then the telltale sign of who owned the fields. And God just blessed their properties, just blessed them. And they were making mistakes, you know, they would read the Bible in a way that they wanted to, and they mm -hmm. lived the way that they wanted to, and <coughs> so do we. <laughs> True. And, and so does everybody. Mm -hmm. and, and we're, we're not perfect, <coughs> but we're striving. But God on, honors the principle, whether or not the people are 100% following his desire for how they should live. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things we're, we're talking, the, talking about, God blesses those who follow his principles. And, and uh, Because it's his word. It's his word. And his word is his word, and he's going to honor mm -hmm. his word, and therefore whoever <coughs> follows that principle that's in his word. And these are beautiful ways of, that we can see the practicalities of, you, you can see it first in the land, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And then and then you see it in the people. 
and then the differences in how we live and how the people of the land are going to live, um, you can still see the difference in the people mm-hmm. who are living their response to what's in these verses. Yeah. And, uh, and you just see the tangible results. Uh, and it's a beautiful thing. And you know, now that you bring that up, you know, the, the, when we had the retreats in uh, Oregon, <coughs> I stayed, some of us stayed behind after the retreat for a day, and um, Pastor Paul and Joy took us around to show us around. Um, but I was amazed at how big the leaves were on certain vegetation and how big everything was. It was just beautiful. And we were <coughs> we were driving. <coughs> it was it was an it was gonna, it was an activation, but we were driving through this uh, down this windy road, and uh, we were headed towards this church, or up to a church. But we passed this these trees. I mean, there were massive trees, and I I just looked out the window, and and it would. I didn't notice it until we went to pass the trees that the leaves just started doing this, and and I thought of, of the scripture that the the leaves of the trees will clap their hands, and um, and and I thought of the scripture creation groans for the manifestation of the sons of God, and it made me wonder if even creation at that moment. because we were passing through there as sons, that they were reacting to what is in us. I mean, it was just, it was an incredible thing. Um, But yeah, it was beautiful in Oregon too. It was, everything was just lush and um, I'd never seen a strawberry field before. And I mean, it was, they were just beautiful. But um, but yeah, And, and they must follow the same principles for the land there that Pennsylvania does and and that's why they have such a lush and green vegetation and and the, the fruits the large fruits that, that's good dinner thank you um, so we know that the land is important to God and, and John 3:16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And when Jesus was crucified on the cross, it was a stake of ownership in the earth. And the cross depicted dominion and marked the boundaries of control. And on it, Jesus paid the price to redeem the earth and everything in it. And Hisemi is indicative of a region and the holdings within it. And I've listed a couple of quotes from Pastor's book, uh, The Cross and the Histemi, which is one of my very favorite books. Um, And I've listed these quotes on your handout. And the first one says, When God sent His Son to die upon a cross, the Lord was paying a price upon a stake of ownership. John 3.16 tells us of how God loves the cosmos or the realm of His creation. Our Lord was legally purchasing the earth and all within it. And then the second quote is, When Jesus surrendered his spirit to God 
and his body was removed to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And this is where... The cross stood silently upon the place of sacrifice. And long after the crowds dissipated, the everlasting transfer of ownership was forever marked upon the histemi of the earth by the stake of wood known as the Roman cross. Friday evening, I was, um, I was going back through my notes um, for today, and um, I work from home on Fridays, and um, <clears throat> so just after five, I signed off of my computer, and I started working again on my outline and just going over it. And um, so it was early evening. It wasn't yet the time that I had been setting aside um, to sup with Jesus. But um, when I read that quote, and every time I read it, um, it affects me this way. Um, but when I read that the everlasting transfer of ownership was forever marked upon, upon the histemi of the earth by the stake of wood known as the Roman cross. Jesus showed up early for supper. And I just wept. And I just began to thank the Lord and praise Him and thank Him for not only because he paid such a, such a price, but because he has called us to partner. Um, but I, I just can't read that quote without it affecting me. And I, and I, I think it's probably because of this particular fast we've been in, and Jesus has been there every evening, and um, but he showed up early that night. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't ready, but I was ready. But um, but I just began to thank him and to praise him because he is so good that he would use. Um, that he would use us, especially for such an important um, time in the world, in these, in these end days. Um, I just began to thank him, but um, because it truly is an honor and a privilege, privilege, and I think I say this every time, but it is, it's an honor and a privilege to, um, to be called by the Lord, um, to be a saint and, and son and joint heir with Christ. Um, 
actually I got through everything, but not too fast. But um, my last quote that I'll give um, from Pastor's book, same book, not only do we need to establish the structure and operative capacity of a histemi, but we also have the responsibility of harvesting the product within. And the harvest is before us, and we don't want to be inactive in our histemi or the histemis that we've been given. We want to take dominion for the Lord within the histemis of his kingdom to restore to them what God originally intended. And so that ends my lesson. And I thank you. I, I appreciate everybody's comments um, because it certainly added to what the Lord had put on my heart. <laughs>